0: Kate Faulkner. Hello, hope you're okay. Thank you for downloading today's podcast on Wednesday, September 13th. We start today's podcast with an update from yesterday's top story. A woman has now been charged with murder after the landlord of a Maidstone pub was stabbed to death. Police were called to the Hare and Hounds on Lower Boxley Road on Monday night, and Matthew Bryant died at the scene. Stephanie Langley knew the victim and has been officially charged with his murder. The 54 year old from Wilson's Lane in Maidstone is due in court later. Another of our top Top stories today. It's been announced parking charges are about to be introduced at Chatham Dockside, stinging shoppers who want to stay for more than an hour. Car park bosses have written to business owners in the centre to explain why the fees are being brought in. Lucy's been following this one. Lucy, what do we know so far? Well, according to car park bosses, around 200 vehicles were being left there overnight by people who weren't shopping or using the restaurants. It's all they're all people who live nearby but struggle to find somewhere to park. So the decision be made to introduce a paid parking structure from September 25th. So how much will it cost to park there now? The first hour will be free, but after that it will cost anywhere between £1.25 to £10, depending on how long you need to stay. Anyone living nearby will have the option to buy a permit that can be used outside of trading hours. Free passes will also be available to employees. And what's been the reaction so far? Well, as you can imagine, regular visitors to Dockside say it's nothing but a money-making scheme. We put up a poll at Kent Online to ask people if they'll continue to shop there. At the time of recording, 84% say they'll go somewhere else. Thanks, Lucy. According to the company, most customers only spend an hour shopping, so they won't be affected by the change. Kent Online reports. Four firefighters from Kent have arrived in Morocco to provide support after last week's earthquake. Members of the technical rescue team will help recovery efforts in areas around the Atlas Mountains. More than 2,900 people are known to have died. A Kent police officer has been sacked after having an inappropriate relationship with a woman who was a victim of a crime he met through his work. PC Evan Potter had been assigned as her sexual offences liaison officer in March 2020 and was found to have sent her more than 2,000 messages in 15 days, A panel's decided the 52-year-old, who was based in Folkestone, breached the standards of professional behaviour. Two people have been arrested after a fight in Folkestone Town Centre. Police were called to Sandgate Road yesterday morning and took a man and woman into custody. Another man had to be taken to hospital. Police are keen to hear from any witnesses. A woman's been taken to hospital after being attacked in Chatham. She was found injured by police and ambulance crews on Castle Road on Monday. Two other women from Herne Bay have been arrested and released on bail.
1: Kent Online reports.
0: A TV documentary is set to look into again whether a Gillingham man was responsible for the murders of a mum and daughter more than 25 years ago. Lynn and Megan Russell were bludgeoned to death as they walk along a lane in Chillingdon in 1996. Michael Stone, who's now 62, is serving life but has always maintained his innocence. A Kent campaigner says she's pleased to see an official recognition that laws around sewage releases might not have been followed. A watchdog's accused the Environment Agency, Regulator and the government of allowing allowing waste to be pumped into rivers and the sea too often. Under current rules, it can only be done in exceptional circumstances, but there was an average of more than 800 spills a day across England last year. Lucy spoke to Sally Burt-Jones from SOS Whitstable.
1: The Wastewater Treatment Act was introduced um, in 1991, um, and that basically said that the water companies had to um, effectually deal with all of the sewage um, that came through their systems. Then there was an update to that framework in 1994, um, which also added that... um, they could still release raw sewage, but it had to be in exceptional circumstances. Um, and I think we can all agree that uh, what we've seen over the last few years and well, in fact, the last 30 years has definitely not been sewage releases in exceptional circumstances. But actually, often just one drop of rain seems to be enough of an excuse um, for the water companies not to pay to treat the sewage and just to release it straight out into our into our waterways. We um, consider the harm it's doing in kind of three different areas so first of all there's a harm to um, public health um, and I would include mental health in that as well with open water swimming and cold water swimming having had such a positive impact on uh, community um, and people's kind of ability to get access to nature for free. Um, Secondarily I think Whitstable's definitely suffered a kind of reputational damage from the sewage releases and that's affected our local economy so especially the oysters and fisheries industry which are really struggling to have well having to spend a huge amount of money um, additionally to kind of make sure that oysters are clean and safe to eat, due to all of the sewage releases. Um, And, you know, we've definitely seen a drop in in numbers of tourists coming to visit the town um, due to the reputation. Um, And finally, it's a bit more difficult to track, but there's a biodiversity impact um, to ecosystems under the water. Just because uh, they're not in kind of human view doesn't mean that there aren't kind of damages happening. So, you know, swimming in Whitstable now, sadly, it's very rare to see a fish, for example, whilst you're swimming. Um, And, you know, even just a few years back, there seems that there used to be a lot more life under the water here one of the problems um we have is that the water companies are not kind of legally obliged to release the volume of sewage um that they're they're putting out into our waterways and i think actually that might help the public to kind of visualize how much um sewage is going into our waterways rather than it being listed as kind of a number of releases or a number of hours of releases so yeah we've been kind of campaigning to to change that so that people can actually understand what that volume looks like um but yeah i think people are really horrified as soon as they understand you know, the the regularity with which um, raw sewage is being put into our waterways. And, you know, it's, it's straightforward enough for a small child to understand nobody wants to see poo um, in the sea. We are not particularly confident in the ability of private organisations to suddenly um, prioritise people and planet over profit, to be honest. Um, we've been calling for um, all of the water companies to be taken back into public ownership. Uh, we have a petition which has had almost 300,000 signatures, so... It feels like there is definitely some public sway behind that. Um, And we're holding another protest at the end of this month on the 23rd of September. Um, Again, just to kind of raise our voices around this topic. Um, And one of our speakers will be Cat Hobbs, um, who runs an organisation called We Own It. Um, It's also looking towards a path which will bring back utilities companies um, into public ownership, uh, make sure that they're taken care of properly, invested in properly. um, And hopefully we can kind of see a prioritisation of of human health and, and our beautiful planet. Um over money.
0: There are calls for better school provision in part of West Kent, where children are having to travel more than 10 miles by car or bus. The only non-selective secondary in Cranbrook closed last year, forcing pupils who don't pass the Kent test to head to sites in Paddockwood, Tenterton, Maidstone or Wadhurst. The local parish council says the area has become a cold spot and there's not enough choice for parents. A new ANPR camera is going to be installed in Ashford to catch drivers taking a shortcut through a bus route. Motorists who use the cut-through in Beaver Road, near the junction with Godfrey, free walk will be hit with a 70 pound fine. There used to be a bollard which only allowed buses, taxis and emergency vehicles through but it's been broken for years. Kent MP has raised concerns about illegal food imports coming into the UK through Dover. According to a report, spot checks have found goods on an industrial scale. Natalie Elphick is calling for the Homeland Security Department to strengthen border
2: security and safety. She's led a debate in Parliament. Today is back British Farming Day and supporting our farming and food producing industries is not just about buying British and replacing EU subsidies. It is about our food security too. Protecting our biosecurity is an essential part of that. We must support our farmers and our food producers with a level playing field and high quality standards. So why do border checks matter? This has been very well expressed by the NFU in this way. Modern, proportionate and effective controls are necessary if we are to prevent outbreaks of pests and diseases that threaten human, animal, and plant health, the safety, quality, and biosecurity of our food product, and the confidence of our trading partners. Those dangers to our food and biosecurity are there every day at the border. Spot checks at the Dover border have highlighted some very serious concerns, because what we have seen on the Dover border is rancid meat seeds with dangerous levels of pesticides, and meat that could contain livestock-infecting diseases. And all of these have been detected coming through Dover, coming from the EU. We're finding with food uh, global disruption, with increased cost of production, these are getting worse. Because of the war in Ukraine, threats to food safety are on the increase. It's not just food. Farm animals are threatened by the diseases carried in infected meat. We need to be very clear about that. And this isn't the odd rogue import. Dover's Port Health Authority has found this is happening on an industrial scale, tons of this stuff. They have formally warned DEFRA about these increased risks and findings. This is meat that doesn't meet our, or even Europe's, required standards, be that for slaughter, for storage, or for import. It's not just unhealthy, it is dangerous. The danger is not just to humans, there's a danger to our livestock, and therefore to the livelihoods of our farmers and food producers. Now this is because this rancid, illegal meat can contain live viruses of some of the most serious threats to our animals. As we have heard, diseases like African swine fever, which have steadily spread from Eastern Europe to Germany, and now France. The NFU have said a breakdown in biosecurity is one of the most serious risks we face as a nation. And I agree with that. Now, it is welcome that the government has, at last, finally published the border target operating model. However, the long delay and continued uncertainty around the new arrangements is very worrying. Concerns have been raised with me by Kent-based import-export businesses, national food and drink trade bodies, the British Poultry Council, the NFU, and Dover Port Health Authority. It is, as I mentioned, some 18 months now since Dover's ready to go, taxpayer funded, new state of the art post Brexit facilities were mothballed awaiting the publication of this proposed target operating model for the border. Kent Online reports.
0: The RSPCA are investigating after four cats were dumped with no food or water in Chatham. Two adults and two kittens were found in cat carriers in Woodland off Salton Road during the hot weather on Monday. Some of them had fleas and worms as well as being underweight. They're being looked after by the charity and are recovering well. A McDonald's branch in Strood has been closed for cleaning after a rat was spotted in the drive through The branch in Medway City Estate closed at around 2 o'clock on Monday afternoon and reopened at around 8 yesterday morning. A spokesperson for the company says a deep clean was carried out and external pest control experts were called in for a precautionary inspection. Now pet owners in West Kent are being urged to put their dogs forward to be blood donors. Just like with humans, animals can need transfusions during surgery, after an accident or if they've got certain illnesses. The process only takes about 10 minutes and donors also get a full health check. I've been chatting to Nicole Osborne from the Pet Blood Bank. Just
3: as humans need life-saving blood for many different reasons, so do dogs. So what we're looking for is for people who have healthy, happy, large dogs to come forward and think about them becoming a blood donor so that they can help to save the lives of other dogs. Ultimately, that's, that's what it's all about, is that your dog could help to save the life of another dog by donating blood.
0: And what can you tell me about the process? I mean, we're familiar with the process for humans, how that blood donation uh, works. How does it differ or how is it the same with dogs? It's actually very similar for dogs as it is for
3: humans when they come along to give blood. Um, I guess the main difference is that humans don't get so many cuddles and um, treats when they go along. Um, They get their tea biscuits, of course, but dogs get treats throughout the whole donation session. So they're very... Um, looked after and we tried to make it a really enjoyable experience for them by giving them lots of treats and fuss and attention. Um, And belly rubs on the table, I don't think they do that at human service. Um, So when the dogs first come in, they get a health check with our vet on the day just to make sure that they are fit and healthy on the day to give blood. If everything goes okay with that, then they'll go through to the donation portion of the appointment where they are lifted up by our team onto a table and they lie flat on their sides and they donate um, approximately 450 millilitres of blood, uh, which is actually relatively the same as the human blood service. and We use the same bags as the human blood service, so there are a lot of similarities. Um, And that's taken from the jugular vein on their neck while they're getting lots of belly rubs and um, words of affection from our team to keep them going throughout. Um, They also get a bit of local anesthetic cream applied to their neck as well, um, just to prevent any discomfort. And then after that, they get their tea biscuits. So they get more treats and they get a drink of water. They also get a goodie bag to take home filled with a bag of treats. And they get to pick a toy as well. And they get a bandana and they get their photograph taken for our social media pages. So it's really all about the dog. And we really as a team work hard to make it a really positive and enjoyable experience for the dog. And how how is the blood then used? So after the donation session, the blood is taken back to our processing center in Loughborough. And that is where it is processed into its different component parts. So from each whole blood donation, we split it up into plasma and red cell products. And then the blood is stored at the blood bank, where we keep it until a vet phones up and says that they need blood for a patient. And then we dispatch the blood out to them to be used for treating a patient. So as with humans, there are many different reasons that dogs might require a blood transfusion. Um, there's kind of different conditions that they might get, there's disease and then of course there's trauma, anything like major blood loss or if they've been in an accident, um, they might need blood as well. So the demand is very high and it continues to grow, which is why we always need
0: more happy and healthy dogs to come forward and help us.
1: Kent Online reports.
0: Now this is one of our most viewed stories today. Double yellow lines have been painted outside a shopping deal, a move which employees say is keeping customers away. The parking restrictions were bought in outside plumbing suppliers TKM in St Richard's Road as part of a nearby housing development. Melvin Garrett has worked there for 21 years and says there's already been a drop in the number of people stopping.
4: They've stuck these yellow lines up here all the way across the front of the shop which now stops us from parking up out here, well officially stops us from parking outside here, stops customers picking up loading up stuff, dropping stuff off, stops delivery drivers, well Gives them, gives them a bit of ear roll because they're sort of going well do I stop here mate and get a ticket or do I not and we're going well yeah we're a we're obeying business trying to struggle in the town you know and all you're doing is, is turning our business away because people are sort of see the WN's I won't stop here I'll carry on to Dover and go there they can't stop outside or so they think and like we're just snookered.
3: What's
4: the response been from customers so far since they've been raised? Well, no, a few, of, a few of them have come in and sort of gone. I'm all right. The park on there, and we've sort of gone. Yeah, mate. If anyone comes along, you know, just jump in your car quick. But no one's actually come in and give it the hard story yet, as if to say, like, I'm going to do you like 60 quid for sticking your sticking your van on a double yellow line. Okay, fair enough. By the letter of the law, they can do that. But in my eyes, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Definitely. No one, no one can. I mean like you're getting customers call, come in for heavy gear and like you can't sort of lug it 30 yards up the road to, un, to load off or unload, it's ridiculous, it's absolutely ridiculous. Mm.
3: And your deliveries as well, yeah. what happens when you get a delivery and you well,
4: yeah, it's Well yeah it's, it. just, it's just run the gauntlet, it's just get the stuff off up against the wall or up against the gate, you know, and get whoever it is, Dave or whoever on your bike mate sign a, ticket, sign a ticket and go blah 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 but no one's actually come in and sort of said oh you know oh yeah you've got two minutes mate and I'm putting 60 quid on your van no one's done that yet mm. which is fair enough. Do
3: you think they will? Do you think it will get to that point
4: where someone well, will be you just, it? Well you just never say never dear. You? you? just never say never which because okay. you know it just goes without saying it? if they can make a fast buck out of it at 60 quid a time it's, it's great money for them isn't it?
3: Mm. And, um, they said to you a, a reason why? I know it was mentioned something about the houses up road. Yeah,
4: there's a new development going at the bottom across Road, across Ellens Road, which in insight is going to make more traffic going down Cross Road. Okay, fair enough. Okay, the junction does need to be clear, but for what, 45 yards? I don't think so. Mm. I mean, that's ridiculous. Mm. That is utterly ridiculous. Exactly, yeah, and
3: obviously this is a local business. It's been yeah. 20 years yeah.
4: and
1: a lot of people rely yeah. on
4: it. Yeah just want to call in, get your plumbing bits and go. Well, okay, fair enough, but do you really want to stick a double yellow line on there to stop people turning up? I don't think so. I don't think so.
3: And obviously, they've not been laid long, but have you noticed a drop in the amount of customers coming in? Yeah,
4: definitely. Definitely in the last two weeks. I mean, okay, last week I was on holiday, but in the last two weeks, I've definitely noticed a slump. Whether it's you know due to the economy as it is, because obviously the interest rate and everything else is going up left, right and centre and like, people ain't got the money anymore, don't get me wrong. But then they're not gonna come here and park up here if they're gonna think they're gonna get 60 quid shoved up their shirt for parking on a double yellow line. It's just crazy. It's utterly ridiculous.
0: TKM objected to the proposals for the Double Yellows in 2021 but say they had no reply. There are plans to turn a former NatWest building in Gillingham High Street into a 17-bed house of multiple occupancy. Medway Council are considering the proposal that would see studio flats built in the upper floors with retail spaces on the ground floor. The building is currently vacant and the developer says they want to bring it back to life. A new emergency control centre in Gillingham will be fully operational this weekend when 999 call handlers move in tomorrow. They're joining frontline NHS and 111 colleagues in the purpose-built building, which is the first of its kind in the country. Staff were previously based in Chatham, Ashford and Coxheath. It's hoped the move will make services more efficient. The Ministry of Defence has agreed a £40 million contract with the Kent Company to develop a new fighter jet helmet. Bay Systems, who are based near Rochester Airport, are working on tech for the Typhoon fleet. We're told it'll allow pilots to see data more clearly and can be upgraded to meet new battle space demands Kent online reports the Embassy Truck Park in Sandwich is set to receive over £150,000 to improve the site for lorry drivers. The site on Ramsgate Road will benefit from upgraded toilets and shower facilities as well as rest areas, lighting systems and CCTV. It's hoped it will improve driver welfare and encourage a new generation of heavy goods drivers into the industry. An exhibition of art by Banksy featuring a mural that appeared on a house in Margate is opening in London. Valentine's Day mascara has been craned into place at the site in Regent Street after being Moved from its home at Dreamland. The piece is expected to be returned to the theme park early next year. And people living in part of Faversham are angry at plans to move a 20 foot tree so a new home can be built. Developers want to put a bungalow on land in Johnson's Court, which residents have described as devastating. Similar plans were withdrawn last year following a backlash. The deadline to comment on the idea is this Friday.
4: Kent Online Sports.
0: Danny Dyer is going to be playing in a charity football match in Kent this weekend. It's to raise money for little Leo Andrews. He was born with a rare genetic condition and his mums set up a charity to fund research.
1: Hello, you wonderful, wonderful people. I'm playing this Sunday, Chatham Town FC, for a family whose little boy needs some uh, life-saving treatment. It's um, a really tragic story. I want to try and raise some money. Can't wait to meet you all. It's going to be an amazing day.
0: Other stars, including James Arthur and Dean Gaffney, will also be there. That's all from us today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Threads. You can also get the details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News
1: you can trust.
0: This is the Kent Online Podcast.